Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Luke chapter 7, we find the incredible account of Jesus raising a widow's son from the dead. Jesus Christ has overwhelming compassion and mercy for all of us. Do you know the compassion and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let's open our Bible now to Luke chapter 7 and look at the amazing love and power of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Sunday morning here in Texas and hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to love him, growing to obey him, right? It's, uh, we say it every time, it's the meaning of life is growing in deeper relationship and deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ, our Lord. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so we're going to continue in Luke 7. We had, um, you know, we had done the entire Gospel of John. We finished it. I believe it was 91 teachings. And so we're still seeking the Lord as to where to go for the next book. So, you know, we had gotten through all of Luke chapter 8. Now we're, we're working through 7 and just trying to see, you know, where the Lord is leading for the next, uh, the next book. I mean, the whole Bible is good, so I'm sure he's pleased with all of it. But uh, today we're going to do Luke 7, verses 11 to 17. So it's just a, uh, just a very quick account of Jesus again raising, um, you know, raising a young man from the dead, uh, you know, bringing him back to life. Um, just an incredible account. Again, just like anything you see Jesus do, right? It's just incredible. I was, I went to my... Uh, a diner that I often go to here in Texas. And uh, my big sister, Alicia, was there. And, uh, you know, she uh, she actually bought my breakfast this morning. Thank you, Alicia. That was, uh, that was delicious. I appreciate it. And I appreciated the fellowship. Um, and uh, she really enjoys the teachings. And so, uh, you know, she, she often has a lot of questions, a lot of good insights. And so we just had a a nice breakfast this morning at the diner. So thank you, Lord Jesus. And again, thank you, Alicia, for breakfast. All right. So Luke 7, verses 11 to 17. Verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples in a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you that we have our Bible, Father. We thank you for these scriptures. Father, we thank you just for the, the feeding of our spirit and the feeding of our soul and the living word of God. Thank you, Father. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us, for living a perfect life for us. We thank you for dying a torturous death for us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are alive and risen today, and we worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As I was studying for this and just, um, you know, preparing, seeing what the different scholars, you know, said, Nain was apparently or is apparently a town about uh, six miles or so from Nazareth. Um, so it's close to the place where, where Jesus grew up. Then when he began his ministry, you know, him and his, his mother and his brothers and sisters moved to uh, Capernaum, right? So Nain's about six miles is what the, the scholars say from, uh, from Nazareth. From Nazareth. Um, and it says his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Again, it was not only his disciples that followed Jesus or, or the 12. There were others who were disciples of Jesus and were consistently following Jesus. And if you had a heart to follow Jesus, you know, he lets you do it. There were times like, you know, when we did the teaching um, in Luke 8 on the man that was, you know, that was that was demon possessed with a legion of demons. Right. Um you know, that the man wanted to follow Jesus and Jesus told him, no, you need to go back into the town and, and tell him what, you know, what the Lord has done for you. And, uh, and the man had said, went back into town and told all over town what Jesus had done. Um, and so, you know, all of us, right. Ought to have a heart to be with Jesus, right? You, you see that Corinne? Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Okay. Again, it's what we say in every teaching, right? Grace to, to go along with Jesus. There, there's, there's nothing better in your life than you will ever do than to go along with Jesus. Now hear me. Jesus is not interested in crowds. Okay. There are times in the scriptures where he looks to thin the crowd because they're following him oftentimes for the wrong reasons. But, you know, his, uh, you know, Jesus's fame was spreading everywhere. It's not something he wanted. Um, you know, we saw at the end of, uh, of Luke 8, when he raises the 12-year-old the girl from the dead, he, and, you know, he tells her parents not to tell anyone what he had done, right? Because, again, we need to be following Jesus because he's our savior and our Lord, right? Meaning we are a sinful people, right? We are hopeless, helpless, and desperate. Only, excuse me, eternal hell awaits if we don't have Jesus Christ, if we haven't received him as our Lord and savior. Again, I know that sounds uh, intolerant. 
I know it sounds harsh, but that is the plain teaching of the Bible, right? Uh, you know, as, as ministers, as Bible teachers, as preachers, and as all Christians, you know, this is not a democracy, right? Heaven is not a democracy. We don't get a vote. We have a righteous king in Jesus, right, May? A righteous king who rules righteously, right? We have the word of God, the scriptures, right? These are actually the living word of God. So when Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Those are his words. That's the word of God. So Jesus out of his own mouth said the only way to come into relationship with God the Father, the only way to know God in any manner or any way, the only way to be forgiven of your sin and ultimately go to heaven when you die is through Jesus Christ, through receiving Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. John 1.12 says that to all who received him, Jesus, to those that believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay. Now, again, it, and it's in receiving Jesus, it's the Jesus of the Bible. Okay, we live in a church culture today where, you know, uh, a great many people, right, a countless number of people that, that go to church and call themselves Christians have kind of made up their own Jesus in their own minds, so to speak, right? And again, it's, it's, it's not, it, regrettably, it's not hard to do, right? We, we tend to want to make the Bible fit our lives, right, Melanie, when our job is to make our lives fit the Bible, right? We have a tendency to want to, you know, make Jesus, you know, fit our lifestyle or our belief system or what we desire, right, Junior? Um, but our job is to, is to read the scriptures, read the Bible, right, the word of God, and, and just take it for what it says, okay? So again, the Jesus we believe in is the Jesus of the Bible, okay? Um, we can't just, you know, just kind of make up a Jesus and believe in that Jesus, right? The Jesus of the Bible is the Savior of the world. All 8 billion people in the world living today need Jesus Christ, Without Jesus Christ, you can know you cannot know the triune God in any way. You can have no concept of God, no understanding of God. You can have no life, and there really is no meaning whatsoever without Jesus. And again, I'm saying this again. This is what the Bible teaches. Romans 3.23 says that every human being is sinful and has fallen short of God's holy standard. We all need a Savior. So... If you're not sure today, like maybe you would say, you know what, maybe I have just made up my own Jesus. Maybe I'm believing in a, a Jesus that I heard somewhere, or maybe I just believe in a historical Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christ is absolutely a historical figure. As sure as Abraham Lincoln is a historical figure, George Washington is a historical figure. Jesus Christ is a historical figure. Napoleon is a historical figure. Alexander the Great is a historical figure, right? 
Um, King Henry is a historical figure, right? Queen Elizabeth is a historical figure. Jesus Christ is an absolute historical figure. It's, there is no option not to believe that Jesus existed. There is no option not to believe that these are his words. So the only question is whether you believe him or not. If, if, you know, you, you have to believe in Jesus to say, I don't believe Jesus existed is like saying, I don't believe Abraham Lincoln existed. It's just, it's nonsense. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, but the only option you have, Jesus Christ is a historical figure. When we read the gospels, we have his words. So now the only question is, is whether you believe him or not. Okay. Obviously it's an, it's, it's an absurdity to say, I'm not believing Jesus for what he's saying. And, and the thing is, most people would never say they don't believe the words of Jesus. It's, 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 it's an absurd statement, right? Um, but the vast majority of people in the world don't take the time to really study the scriptures and see the gravity of the words of Christ. Again, John 14, 6, Jesus proclaimed, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, that's an overwhelming statement, the gravity of that statement. No one, right? And that's because it's only in Jesus that we can have our sins forgiven, right? And come into relationship with God the Father as our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our Master, our King, with the Holy Spirit as our guide, our counselor, our comforter. So again, if you're not sure today, right? that you're believing properly in Jesus. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? It's a, it's a very plain, right, exhortation in scripture. Now, what does that mean? It's not our words that save us. Again, it's, it's Jesus that saves us. We simply receive him, as John 1, 12 said. Um, but we do use our words and call out to the Lord and, you know, as just to communicate with him, to share our heart with him. So if you're not sure, you can simply humble yourself now, all right? Go before Jesus and humble yourself and simply pray to him. You know, say, Lord Jesus, I, I know that I am a sinful person and I confess, Lord, I'm certainly a sinner. And Lord, I know that I am hopeless and helpless and desperate. But Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. And I do believe that you did come into this world and that you lived a perfect, righteous life for me and that you died a perfect, righteous, horrible, torturous death for me. And Lord Jesus, I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart. Lord, I humble myself and I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and confidence and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Again, that's how you become a Christian. Again, it's not that the words are not what's important. Use the words, but it's again, the sincerity and the genuineness of your heart that matters. And if you'll call out to Jesus, genuinely desiring him, genuinely knowing your absolute need of him, you will receive him. Jesus Christ will, will, will come to live inside of you. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus will become one with your dead spirit and will give you life, new life, eternal life. And all this will begin to make sense to you. God the Father will become your 
heavenly father as opposed to a, a wrathful judge, right? So give your life to Jesus today and go along with him, right? Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, okay? The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. You, um, you know, in Jesus' day, we talked about this, I believe, in another teaching. There were what were called professional mourners. You would, you would hire people for a funeral. When a loved one died, you would actually hire people. And they were professional mourners. And they would wail and cry and weep so as to stir up you know, the emotions and the grief of the situation so that you would just feel more sad, right? It, it, it obviously is a pretentious practice. Um, and we saw at the end of chapter eight where, where Jesus said, stop wailing, okay? It's not sincere anyway. But, you know, there was this belief that, you know, the more you stirred up the wailing. And so again, these people were professionals and they made a living going from one funeral to the next and wailing and crying loudly, right? It's, uh, uh, you know, obviously it's silly. Jesus is not concerned. God is not concerned, whether it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God, right? We have a triune God, but they're not concerned with, uh, you know, with our outward manifestations. They're concerned with our heart. Um, and so this is, you know, a large crowd was undoubtedly filled with these kind of hired, paid, professional mourners and grievers, right? Um, it said a dead person was being carried out. I often, you know, have said that, you know, when in our day to day, you know, when a dead person is carried out, you know, we, the funeral goes on and the funeral finishes, right? Um, as I was studying this one, you know, I forget who it was that made the point. I, I guess I said that, I think I said it was D.L. Moody, you know, famous evangelist, um, who was asked to do a funeral. And apparently as the story goes, he went through the scriptures to find where Jesus did a funeral in the gospels, but regrettably he can never find one because every funeral Jesus came to, he interrupted by raising the dead person. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. Now, this is important. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Okay, so, um, you know, the fact that her husband had already died, the boy's father had already died, and now the boy had died, this would put the woman in just a, uh, an absolutely, you know, just, um, you know, just extremely difficult you know, totally devastating position for the rest of her life. She would have no means to get money and she would just be in a destitute situation, um, you know, and just, you know, trying to feed herself, right? Trying to take care of herself. A widow with, with no son in that day would have just, again, was just in a very, very, very bad situation. And so Luke goes out of his way to mention the fact that she was already a widow and now her you know, her son had died, right? And it said the only son of his mother. So she would basically have no one to look after her or help her, and she would be utterly destitute. 
and a large crowd from the town was with her. Verse 13, when the Lord saw her, his his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. We can see the incredible mercy, the love, and the compassion of Jesus here, right? When the Lord saw her, and that term, the Lord, you know, Luke is pointing out his deity, that he's God, okay? He just doesn't say Lord. He says, when the Lord saw her. Again, Jesus is fully man and fully God. Again, he came into this world took on a a human form, became a human man, but still remained fully God. So again, it's a mystery that, you know, for all eternity, we'll grow to know it, right? But he had to do this so as to live a perfect life in our place and and in our place and on our behalf, right? And then when he went to the cross, Jesus was punished in our place, right? He suffered in our place, okay? Okay. And so when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived when he walked the earth is actually credited to you and credited to me. And all of our sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Jesus at the cross. That exchange of our our sinful life for his perfect righteous life is the heart of the Christian gospel. It's incredible, right? So it says when the Lord, again, and Luke is speaking to the fact that he is God here, Jesus. When the Lord saw her, okay, when he saw the widow who had already lost her husband and now lost her only son, when the Lord saw her, his heart, his heart went out to her. And he said, don't cry. Hear me today in the same way. that Jesus's heart went out to this widow. His heart is for you today. His heart goes out to you today, okay? Um, First Timothy 2, I believe it's verse four, says it's God's will that, that all people be saved. Second Peter 3, 9 says it's, it's God's will that no one perish and spend eternity in hell separated from him. Jesus's heart, wherever you are today, is for you. And perhaps you are a Christian today. Perhaps you have received Jesus. You are trusting and relying on Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. And you, you have humbled yourself and called out to him and are, and, and are believing in him and on him and only him, right, for your eternal salvation and to go to heaven. Um but you're going through difficult times and struggles as we all do. Jesus's heart, when the Lord saw her, put your name in there, okay? When the Lord saw Leah, his heart went out to her. Happy birthday, Leah, right? Um, Leah's my cousin. um, When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, right? When he saw you, Uncle Dennis, his heart went out to you. When he saw you, Faith, his heart, went out to you. When we're struggling, right? And when we're uh you know, when when we're when we're grieving, Jesus's heart goes out to us. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, "Don't cry." I mean, it's just beautiful. Picture Jesus there saying, "Don't cry." They probably don't know who it is. Now again, this large crowd, 
that's following, right? They've seen Jesus do, do miracles. Uh, most of the crowd, as you see throughout the Gospels, is again, interested in Jesus more as a miracle worker, which again is even understandable, but we need him as our savior first. And all the other benefits are secondary and they are tremendous, right? All the other provision the Lord gives us are secondary to the fact that we need a savior, okay? Um, and, you know, he's just, uh, he's, he's so merciful and he's so loving and, you know, and he said, you know, don't cry. Obviously, the grief of the mother is, is so heavy, right? She has to be so overwhelmed. And you can see the compassion of Jesus. And I'll say again, he has that same compassion for you and for me and for all of us. Verse 14, then he went up and touched the coffin. And those carrying it stood Still, he said, young man, I say to you, get up. I say this almost every teaching. We have to know and get to know and grow to know, Jason, who we are dealing with here in Jesus. Okay. Then he went up and touched the coffin. So remember, a large crowd was following him. Could have been thousands, okay? We see in chapter 8, the crowd was so big, he was nearly suffocated. He was getting crushed. The crowds were so large, right? And so we're in chapter 7 now. The crowd is building. There was already a large crowd, it said, from the town. Remember verse 12, and a large crowd from the town was with her. Verse 11, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. So again, his fame is growing. Large crowds. Again, it could have been thousands. Um, when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. So again, the young man is laying in the coffin. The coffin is off the ground. There are, there are, there are obviously men carrying it and they stop. And he goes up and, and touches it and they stop, Right. And then he said, it says, he said, young man, I say to you, get up. How many words? Young man, two. I say to you, four, five, six, seven. Get up. Young man, I say to you, six, seven, eight, get up. Eight words. Verse 15, the dead man sat up. And began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Wow, Scott. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. Eight words. There is no question what's going to happen when he says that. Okay. Just like, you know, it actually says it at the end of chapter eight. Remember when it says, the girl's spirit returned to her. What is that like? 848 or something. Um, it says, um, verse 55 in chapter 8, her spirit returned and at once 
She stood up. This is Jairus's daughter. She's 12 years old. Again, to understand the power of what's happening here, this young man is dead. His spirit has gone off into eternity with the countless billions of people that have already died in history. So for Jesus to do this, he knows who this young man is. He knows where in eternity he is. He knows specifically the right spirit to call back. You getting it here? Okay. When he sings, young man, I say to you, get up. When Jesus speaks, it's the word of God. Jesus spoke and the universe was created. Remember Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. Bam. This is the power of the word of God. Jesus simply spoke. Young man, I say to you, get up. That's the word of God. That's what we're studying here. That's the power of the word of God. That power is in your Bible. I say it again. If this young man had died, we're, we're have, we're, the funeral will be finished today, right? Not Jesus. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up immediately and began to talk. Right? So he's laying down in the coffin, sits up, looks around, thousands of people, right? Large crowds already following Jesus, another large crowd from the town of Nain, and he began to talk. And then it says, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Wow. How did that mother feel? Imagine the awe, just the almost the incomprehensible, it's almost fearful, right? Like what just happened? Can any of us comprehend that? None of us, I, I beg to say, have gone to a funeral and seen the dead man or dead woman get up, right? I mean, Jesus had to reorder how long had a man been dead and all that, all that happens in the decomposition. I mean, just, just everything, completely restoring it, right? You know, um, you remember in Lazarus, He'd already been in the tomb four days, dead, total, de you know, decomposition coming in hard, right? Remember, uh, it's John chapter 11. Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Dead man walks out looking like a mummy. Jesus said, take the grave clothes off. Wow. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Here, buddy, let me get you out of there. Handed him to his mother, kept rolling. Right? This is the Jesus that you and I need to grow in our relationship with. It's only Jesus could have done this, right? Only Jesus could have given this mother, this son back to his mother. It's only Jesus who can give us what we need. It's only Jesus that could give this young man life and give this son life back to his mother alive, and it's only Jesus that can give us life today, beginning at salvation, and then our entire Christian lives. It's only Jesus that can give us life, Auntie Jackie, right? The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Wow, we just worship you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that to all those listening today, Lord, that, that you would give them life and hope and meaning by your word. Lord, I pray that you would say to souls all over the world, young man, young woman, I say to you, get up.
I pray you would just uh, just draw them unto you, Lord, and that all those that don't know you would come to be saved. And I pray that you would come, Lord Jesus, come. The Bible ends in Revelation chapter 2 with the Apostle John saying, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. And that should be the cry of all of our hearts is for Jesus to come back. Jesus to come. When Jesus comes and steps foot again on the earth, everything that's out of order is going to be handled, right? By his word. Mm. Have mercy, Lord Jesus. Verse 16. They were all filled with awe. Filled. Yeah, I guess they were, right? Verse 16. They were all filled with awe and praised God. Father, we praise you. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. Yeah, more than a prophet. God himself has appeared among them. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Yes, Jesus is God. And only in Jesus can God help you and help me. Only in Jesus, Mandy, right? Only in Jesus, Gwenda. Only in Jesus, Amela. Only in Jesus, Eileen. Only in Jesus, Esther. Only in Jesus, Linz. Mm. Only in Jesus, Susanna. Only in Jesus can God help you. We need to not only give our lives to Jesus, but again, start spending time with him and growing to know him. It's not a religious thing. It's not because we have to. We get to, right? And the more we do that, the more, the more real this whole thing come, becomes to us, the more refined our faith becomes, right, Peyton? The more just purified our faith is, Chloe, right? They were all filled with awe and praise God. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. The news, verse 17, about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. And it spread all over the world today. Right? The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea. And that, that, that's, that's your and I's responsibility is to spread the news about Jesus. Again, he is a miracle worker, right? Jesus is the, the solution to every problem you've ever had. But it begins with you and I understanding that we are sinful and that we need a savior and we are not it. Nothing we do can help save us. All the good we do or believe we do cannot in any way help save us. We have to come to Jesus and humble ourselves, knowing and confessing ourselves as hopeless, desperate, sinful people that only hell awaits without Jesus. And then it's our job to spread this news about Jesus, spread throughout Judea, spread throughout China, spread throughout Singapore, spread throughout Brazil, spread throughout Canada, spread throughout Great Britain, right? Spread throughout Australia, spread throughout New Zealand, spread throughout America, right? 
the news about Jesus needs to continue to spread, but it needs to be the, the, the Jesus of the Bible. And as the real Jesus spreads, the Jesus of the Gospels, God, God the Son, right? There will be more power and more love and more hope and more healing and more salvation and more purpose and more meaning. Mm. The news about Jesus spread throughout Mozambique, throughout Africa, right? Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you for your compassion, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. I thank you that this mother got her son back to life. Lord, and I pray that you would give mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, just give them life all over the world today, Lord, and give parents hope in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask you to give us eyes that see Jesus and ears that hear him. We ask you to lead us and guide us now as we go forward, Holy Spirit. We ask you to seal this message to our hearts. Help us to know Jesus and to pursue Jesus and to have a lifestyle of wanting to please and love Jesus and knowing the love of Jesus. Father, we worship you and thank you. We thank you for your word. We commit this time into your hands now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.